0: Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor and I am so excited for this week's guest. She's a Moroccan-American singer and songwriter. Welcome, Abir. Hello, مرحبًا. مرحبًا. Oh my God, so excited
1: to have you on. Me too. I've, I'm so excited to talk to you today.
0: Let's get it. Let's get it. Okay, so when did you kind of decide that you wanted to get into music? Where did that come from?
1: I honestly, I've been, I've been a singer since I was like six and I owe it all to my dad. I always, I always have to tell this story because I know that some parts of him, it eats him up and he's like, Oh, she could have been a doctor. And then some parts of him, he's like, Oh, okay. Okay. I'm so proud of her. But I, my dad owned a car service company and I would pretty much be in the backseat listening to all his different music that he owned for his clientele it would be like jazz music, soul music, you know, Arabic music. And I just fell in love with every, like my dad has really, really good taste in music. And he he would put me onto music and sometimes it would just be playing. Sometimes he'd be like, no, really listen to this song. Or sometimes it would just be in the background and I would just start mimicking it. Um, and like ever since then, since I've kind of found my voice, I could not stop singing Ever
0: literally. <laughs> that's amazing. So it's just always kind of been a part of your life, which also very cool that your dad has like eclectic tastes in music. I feel like that's not like a super common, like, you know, Middle Eastern <laughs> or Arab dad thing to be like, oh, like listen to jazz music with me. Yeah. You know, he,
1: I, I don't know what it is about my dad, but he is, I, I am my father's daughter. We are very, very similar in many, many ways. And I think a lot of a lot of his inspiration for like the music that he listens to or where he goes and finds, you know, cassettes and listens to new artists. He's still to this day, I kid you not, this morning I got a DM from an Instagram account he found. He's on Instagram now. Oh my God, and I love that. He sent me a DM of Chevy Music, which is Moroccan um, is, yeah, Moroccan Chevy music. It's yeah.
0: just so, so dope. He always sends me little clips and I don't know. He's just, he's just a dope dude. (laughs) I mean, he sounds really, really cool. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm like, that's like my dream. I love music very intensely. And I would love to be able to like share music with my dad. I'm like, that just seems like so fun to do, but I totally get it. And that like, The music that I feel like my parents listened to when I was younger did kind of have some type of influence on me. Obviously, I'm not a singer, so it didn't influence me in that way. But like, it makes me so happy to listen to that particular music that it's so nostalgic almost.
1: Yes, 100%. I, I feel the same way. And everything that you grow up on, whether it's Eric music or pop music or jazz music, anything that you grow up on, I feel like really, really does help form your taste. So I'm lucky, very lucky that I was surrounded by such good music because a lot of, I can hear it even when I sing now, I can hear certain, you know, certain things that I know come from a record and a a certain artist and me listening, binge listening to them. Um, Or like, I, I, it's just, it's really, really a group. All that music is like a group effort to help
0: create your taste. And also for me, my sound. A hundred percent. And so, you kind of always knew that you loved music. You loved singing. When did you kind of have it in your head to like turn it into a career? Because I feel like a lot of people, you know, they love something and maybe they're like, "Oh, I'll put it to the side. It's more of like a hobby." When did you know you were like, "This is what I want to do"?
1: I I think. Oof, man, it was. <laughs> I've always looked up to really, really big vocalists and, and um like powerhouse singers, Celine Dion, Whitney Houston, Etta James, like all these really, really Icons. iconic legends. And I've just always wanted, I've always wanted that. I've always wanted the stage first above everything else. And I, throughout like my, you know, middle school, high school, all that good stuff, I would perform everywhere, everywhere I possibly could, but I think, it was in high school where my parents were like, all right, you can go to the studio. We'll like, we'll help you pay for it. Um, And if you like, just like it, you're going to have to pay for it yourself. So I basically, they, they took me to the studio, they covered a few sessions. And then after that, they were like, all right, you're on your own buddy. Um, And, and that was gonna That was going to be the true tell of, if I was actually devoted to this. So I was already working and I would save my money and I would go and I would pay for studio time. And then, um, that's when I knew I was like, okay, you, you're doing the damn thing right now. You are really doing it. And, and from
0: then on, when you're a teenager, if you're investing money in something, you know, that you really like it. Yes, for sure. hundred percent.
1: Like Oh yeah! If you if you're getting your nails done, for instance, you save that money. Like I wasn't making much money back then, so you're making seventy five bucks. You're holding that. You're holding on to that for a solid month. How you spend that is
0: is up to you, and what you spend it on means you really love it. You really love it, yeah. Because like the you know, for most teenagers, they don't have like endless funds. So like I know that like if I wanted to buy a bag, I was saving for that bag. For months and months, and then I would cherish and love it. So, like, I think it's actually really smart how your parents were like, "All right, we're gonna pay for your first couple sessions, let you know what it is, and if you want to keep doing for it, doing it, you have to pay for it yourself." I think it's so smart. Yeah, so I think that was like a huge part of me
1: understanding, okay, you're serious about this. And then I kept going, and I started interning at. A, I ended up interning at that um, same studio um, a few years later for my senior project, and. I don't know. Like I learned so much and I, I really started understanding the industry and how to like really, really get your shot at it. So I I would devote myself to going to New York and man, I was in New York every weekend. I possibly could be like, Oh,
0: crazy. Cause you lived in Virginia, right? Yeah. So how, how are you getting back and forth between New York? Were you just like flying in? So no, it's actually like a four hour drive. And oh.
1: I would just, I really, I was working at Nordstrom at the time. This is so funny. I was working at Nordstrom when I started going to New York, like, you know, all the time um, and saving, I would save all the money I could. I would buy nice and nice clothes too. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but I would save enough for a good hotel. Cause I wasn't hip to Airbnb yet. And I don't yeah, even
0: know if yeah. it was really
1: popping them. that's what I'm
0: saying I'm like I feel like it I wasn't like if it was if it did exist I feel like we didn't know about it
1: yeah for sure I I found out about it like my second year in New York but um yeah I I would save bread and I would go up there and I would get on every stage I possibly could I was doing shows at anywhere bars venues as anyone that I would meet
0: that you know was like hey, I have I have a, a cool show you could do I would do it and it was just kind of like, and I think that's like how you know you really like love something is when you just want to do it in any way, in any forum, in any place, no matter how many people are there. Like you, you want to perform, you want to do it.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I, le- I had to learn that the hard way because growing up, like the only place I would perform was like talent shows, or like I would sing the national anthem at you know basketball games, or football games, and you know, just do things like that, you know? And it wasn't until I did my first gig at a bar um, in Arlington where I'm from. And I think there was like four people there, but I had like hyped it up, totally hyped it up. I'm like, guys, it's going to be major. You have to come, you have to check it out. And it was like four people. And I was so sad. I was so sad. And I was humbled so quick because um, by a friend actually who was like, you know what? Four people is more than you've had that people that actually came to see you, not were forced to see you, not we're sitting at a basketball game, not we're you know at a school assembly. these are four people that dedicated their Saturday to come see you. So be grateful of that and know that four people can easily turn. Those four people could go and tell their mom or their sister or their friend, that could turn into 10 people. You just, you have to be grateful for every person in the room, whether it's like you just said, four people, five people, six people, 100 people. So that's kind of, I learned that very early on.
0: And I think that like, honestly, that's great advice for your friend to give you. And it's so true because like these four people took time out of their lives just to come see you. And like, that means something. Like, you know what I mean? Like they really want to see you perform live. And that's, that's definitely like, I think it's all about perspective, right? You know what I mean? It's like, okay, yeah, it's not a crowd of people, but these four people, these four individuals took time out to come see me. And I think that's still really special.
1: Yes, 100%. And those people are the people that are going to spread, you know, real, real music lovers or fans. Like those are the people who help spread your music. And the reason why a lot of these artists out here, including myself, can even have a platform.
0: Definitely. I mean, I remember like, it's so wild to me, because there are some artists that I've like loved from the very beginning. Like, I saw Travis Scott, like, I don't even know how long ago, but there was like 30 people there like it was a tiny little venue. Like it was like, there's this big venue in Orlando. And then there's like a tiny bar that's right next door to it. And like the smaller artists play in the smaller little bar. And there were literally like maybe 30, maybe maximum 40 people there to see Travis Scott. And it's so insane to me now, because obviously, everyone knows who Travis Scott is now. But I'm like, that's so crazy that like, and he was just like, kind of like fucking around like he I remember he was like smoking a blunt on stage and they told him to stop which like they would never tell Travis Scott that now like he could do whatever he wants but I just think it's so crazy like when you see an artist grow I do think it makes you kind of always like have like this soft spot for them
1: yes oh my
0: gosh that's insane I know but what? it sounds like I know it sounds like your parents have always been pretty supportive of your career were they like on board for you to like be an artist to be a singer Um, I wouldn't
1: say to be a singer, like as an occupation, they weren't, I I think they were supportive of my interest in it. Okay. And that meant enough to me. Like, I kid you not, my dad took me to so many singing competitions growing up and like, obviously would be like pissed after. Sometimes he'd be like, oh, like we just wasted all the, you know, like, time. My Saturday's gone. But yeah, he would still take me, which says more than anything. And so I think, I think now they just really wanted me to have a successful life. They wanted me to be able to provide for myself and music, especially for air parents and parents in general. I think it's just, it's such a, it's such a difficult industry to succeed in because it really does feel like one in a million. Yeah. But once my dad learned and even my even myself learning that I can be in the industry and not be huge yet and still be able to pay my own bills because I write my own music. I'm releasing my own music. I'm by the grace of God, like signed to a really great label who supports me. And, you know, I'm performing shows. I have, alhamdulillah, I have created a platform where people, you know, listen to my music and support me. And I feel like I don't think my parents thought of that Yeah, at at the time.
0: And I think that's like a really common thing or feeling for um, immigrant parents. Like they want, all they want is for you to like have like a stable life, a stable income and to feel like you are in a secure position. And I think that anything that's like in the arts to them is like kind of scary because it's like, where is the stability of this? And they yes. just kind of feel like that's not how they were raised. They were raised to kind of find the most stable profession and then go in that direction and then like just grow to love it. A hundred percent. And my dad, he's
1: an entrepreneur. He, like I said, he had his own car service. Now he has his own other thing that he's working on. And, and it's, it's so, I think he understands being an entrepreneur that how much wor- extra work you do, because I mean, not to take it away from anyone who, you know, works for a business or a corporation or anything, that's great too. But I know that it's definitely double the work, working for yourself, you actually have to make sure it it works. So you have to do so much more. And music, as much as it is, uh, it's kind of this fleeing thing. It's still uh, you're still working for yourself in a sense because if you don't write the songs, if you don't come up with, you know, the ideas, if you're not dedicated and devoted and put in effort, you will not succeed. But I did. I will say this. Nor I, in order to even have this conversation with you about music, I did have to get my degree to keep my parents happy, and I fully understood the reasoning behind it. Plan B, Abir, you could wake up with no voice, literally because you drank something funny or just something is growing or I don't know. You never know. You could wake up and it's gone. So at least go get the education that you need and have it and just put it in your back pocket and use it. God you know, God forbid you have to use it, but just know it's
0: there. I definitely think that that is also like an additional layer of kind of security. And also as a child of Arab parents, I know that that puts them at ease, which also yeah. is very, I find, helpful to my sanity when I can do little things. <laughs> I love how I'm like, yes. a degree, you know, little things, to put <laughs> my parents at ease and make them feel relaxed. Because I think it just comes from a p- place of love, honestly. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're not doing it for any reason other than they're like, we really love you, want to make sure you're okay. So I definitely get it. So what did you end up getting your degree in?
1: I here's here's my here's where my mind went I was like okay well if I'm if I want to be a singer and I want to be successful in this industry let's learn about how I can you know market myself let's learn about the communications. so I actually got a degree in um public relations yeah oh my god it sounds so crazy that I don't know how to even say it from literally <laughs> from George Mason University in Virginia
0: that's amazing. And no, yeah, I could see how that would be relevant. You know what I mean? Like,
1: it, it makes sense. I just thought, I was like, okay, I know some, I didn't really want to take on the marketing thing. I'd actually, to be totally transparent, I'm not sure I really understood what marketing was. And I know it sounds so crazy, but like now I'm like, oh, marketing is marketing. It defines itself. But um, public relations just seemed like a way that I could learn how to tell my story and my narrative in a way that was going to be authentic. And now I'm like,
0: oh, that shit, excuse me, that, that helps a lot. No, yeah, I mean, it definitely does. And I think that I've kind of seen you because I followed you on Instagram for a while now. And I feel like more and more like with your sophomore album or your sophomore EP Heat, like it feels like it's more of a representation of who you are, but I obviously don't want to like, you know, speak on your behalf, but like, i just feel like there's such a difference in your sound from your first EP mm-hmm. to now to, to heat. I feel like, is it just more like after some self-discovery, like you're able to kind of make your sound feel a little bit more like you or has your taste just evolved, but I definitely feel like there's a difference in the sound between your debut EP and and now with Heat. Yeah, 100%.
1: It's like night and day for me, at least. Um, you know, I've always wanted to do Heat. I've always wanted to have Heat, the project. Um, not the actual name, but just what it is, what it's yeah. turned out to be. Um, since I started, I was like, okay, I want to find a way to bring my culture into the music. But I just, I think I got lost a little bit in, in just finding a good producer with Mint with the songs that came previous. And I wasn't so worried about telling that narrative yet, just because I I know how hard it is for me to to come across someone that I feel that I can work with easily and create naturally. Um, The speed dating process is so, like speed dating process with producers, yeah. Everyone is so talented in so many ways, but you—it's like it's literally like finding a couch. There are so many couches, okay, tons of couches, and they're all beautiful. Come in different colors, whatever. But you know, come in different patterns. You have different like whatever. You could sit, and they're comfortable. Some are soft, firm, whatever. But working with a producer has to be like your dream couch because you're going to make a song that you have to, you have to make a record, you know? So it's like, you can't just choose an uncomfortable couch where like the, the environment isn't, clicking
0: I don't know if this is making sense but this makes perfect sense like literally I'm sitting here vigorously nodding my head because I'm like first of all you know your demographic (laughs) using a couch as an example is like as soon as you said that my ears perked up because I'm like girl I've been looking for a fucking couch I hate my couch I want a new couch and I can't find the perfect couch and it's so stressful I keep finding cute couches but they're not perfect so like I I feel you on maybe a too deep of a level right now but like yeah no this makes perfect sense (laughs) seriously because and
1: you know how, I mean, I'm a huge, huge interior design fan. Yeah. And yeah. I just, I use that because I think you have to feel, you have to feel at home in a studio. You can't, you really cannot feel like it's a foreign place. And obviously a couch makes you like feel comfortable. But so when I'm, when I'm working with, um producers and I find someone that I can just catch a vibe with I just I used to just run with that but with heat I made it a point to say hold up hold up hold up hold up what is your vision like what is your purpose in life not in just your career but in life what's your vision and it's to live authentically it's to be me it's to let my tell my story as raw and unapologetic as possible and continue to live a life that's comfortable to me not not conform to society, not to live how someone else wants me to live, not try to meet someone else's expectations. So I started there and then I was like, and then what do I want the sonic bed to be? And I thought about it and I said, I want to bridge where I was born, what my roots are, my culture, everything that makes me who I am. And also, being here in the States, living in America, living in Virginia, living in New York, and also using everything here that makes me who I am and just bridging those two together to tell the story of Abir, like of with the accent, you know? Yeah, so Abir,
0: not yeah. confused with Abir. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> no, but like, and I, and I think that that duality, especially for Arab Americans, like I understand that. And I get that. And it is, it sounds simple, like, yeah, just bring the two cultures together. But there's so much more to it than that. And I think bridging the two does take time because you want it to feel authentic to who you are. And when you are this, you know, when you come from an Arab culture and you live in America, it's hard to know what parts of the culture really resonate with you and that you really connect with and you want it to feel like you and you don't want to just be like blindly following the culture just because it's there like you want it to feel like you
1: yeah 100% and i think i mean you it's just such a it's such a weird place because when you're when you're growing up you're not you're actually trying to fit in because you stand out so much and At least that's what I did, and I'm like, okay, I gotta look this way. I gotta like, you know, do my eyebrows. I gotta take care of this unibrow, like, (laughs) get it under control. Um, I would try to, you know, spray so much perfume over my smelly clothes because they smelled like good old Moroccan
0: food. You're trying to hide. (laughs) You're trying to so much. Yeah, 100 because you're not cuz when you're young like you you're still trying to find your identity and i think that like it becomes even harder when you have these two cultures in place because you feel so torn and it just feels like the easier option is to be americanized because then you're digestible you're more palatable people will connect with you easier yeah 100% i mean i keep saying that but everything you're saying is straight facts yeah um, and it and it's, it's i think like any any child of immigrant parents can identify with that because it is something that I feel like as you get older, it gets easier and you really start to like appreciate your culture. And I don't know about you, but like, as I got older, I felt like an asshole. Cause I'm like, why was I not appreciating this? Like a decade ago? Why did I have to wait this long to be able to really fully embrace my culture? Oh, everything in time, everything in time. But I feel I definitely
1: feel felt that for sure. Yeah. And I, I always like when I got home from school or wherever I was working or wherever I was at the time, like I would love everything about my culture. It would, there was no hiding it when I got home. I'm like, yes, mom, can you make me the fool? Oh, mom, can you do the couscous? Oh, what are we, what are we dancing? To? Like I had such a good time at home. It was just stepping outside is when I felt like, okay, you clean it up. We can't, you know, they're going to, they said, I smelled like onions the other day. Let's, let's, you know, oh my God. fix it. No. And I wasn't, I wasn't, don't, don't get me wrong. I wasn't like bullied to the point where I was trying to hide who I was. I did it because I just felt like it was the right thing to do. And then, um, t- I think in high school is when I kind of started seeing, okay, cool. I'm different hold on. I'm unique. Okay. That's the right. way to describe yeah. me. Yeah. I'm unique in this environment. And, and I started just digging. Wallah, I started just going so deep into my culture and things that my parents weren't going to show me things that I had to take upon myself to educate myself about
0: where I come from and my roots, because my parents can only show me so much. Yeah. Yeah. Because to them, it's so normal. They don't even think to mention it. Trust me, I've done the same weird shit. And my parents are like, why do you even know this? And I was like, oh, I heard that in Palestine in certain places, they take like watermelon and they cook it under the ground. And my dad was like, how do you even know this? Like, you know, like, like, where are you? I'm like, oh, I watched a documentary. And he was like, that's so weird. I would have never thought that that's something that you would even be interested in or care about. But it's like, when you're trying to connect with your identity, you want to find out all the random, nuanced little things here and there because it's cool. Yes,
1: and you, it, once you do it, it's like it's legit. Like trying to find a good couch again. We can use that yeah. in a different way. But like yeah. once you go on that search, it's never ending. You are drawn to it. You're like, yes, yes, yes. You never get enough. Even when you get a new couch, Nora, you're probably going to want another one. <laughs> And that's kind of that's how I feel about learning about where I come from and just attaching myself to my culture and I wanted I do want to say this because with heat it was important for me to identify who I am not to prove myself but for me for me because I always wanted that it wasn't to prove myself but, just because I felt growing up, I always wanted that representation. And I always wanted to hear an Arab woman in pop music. And I wanted to see an Arab woman in pop music. And I I just wanted to feel, feel seen. And yeah. I think because I have the platform I do now, it's important for me to state it out loud and be loud about it. But, but moving forward, there's also this thing with identity that can be a bit constricting and limiting is that once you do start yelling out, yellow, I'm Arab. I'm Moroccan. I'm Muslim. I'm, I'm a woman. I'm all these things. You start sooner or later that, that starts to define you, it, like starts to define everything that you do. And I'm, I want to make it my mission. Like, look, Arab creatives exist. Arab musicians cr- exist. Arab singers exist. We have stories to tell. We are not a Google search that shows one image. We are not like, we come in variety. We're very different. And it's important to add our perspectives to the conversation, but it's also very important for us to just be human after this, you know, after this project, I hope that I can continue doing all my saucy, you know, out of pop fusion, and maybe it's going to be Arab R&B, who knows. But alongside that, I just want to exist. I just want to create a place where I can just exist as a human.
0: No. And I, I mean, I totally feel that because like, that's kind of why I started my podcast because I never really felt seen and I wanted other Arabs to feel seen. And then it just kind of from then turned into like this completely other things. Cause everything is always evolving. Everything's always changing. But like, for me, that was what was felt important at the time. It's like, I want to make sure that young Arab creatives feel seen, feel heard, and feel like there is someone out there that they can identify with. Because I think that if I had something like that when I was younger, I feel like maybe that would have made my, you know, search for my identity a little bit easier. And who doesn't want, who doesn't want their life to be a little bit easier, especially when you're a teenager and everything seems like it's the end of the world.
1: Yes, yes. I actually... What, what you said is perfect because I think it's so much easier to be comfortable if you can see like you can see it somewhere else. Yeah. Especially yeah. as a kid in your adolescent years, you're 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 more prone to doing something because you saw it. Or you're I more prone validating. To- yes, yes, hundred percent.
0: Wow. And 100% I, yeah. is really my favorite word. <laughs> Literally, we're just, the episode title is going to be 100% fat with more and Um, No, but it's so true. And like everything you're saying, I'm like, try, I'm like nodding my head. I'm like, yes, yes. Because what you're saying about like how, yes, this is my identity. And yes, I want young Arabs to feel seen. And I want to scream. I'm an Arab. I'm this. I'm a Muslim. I'm this. You don't, you still don't want to be put in a box and God people love putting us in boxes and it's like no we're not all the same and also like as far as Arab culture goes you and I know this other people who might not have been exposed to Arabs before might not know this Arab culture differs from like city to city let alone country Mm. to country from like street to street like Arab culture is so vast and like wild like just wildly different like literally in Morocco like I'm sure there are like so many different dialects and like I mean even I don't know you know all the dialects and like even a Moroccan speaking Arabic versus me speaking Arabic it's not the same and we might not be able to understand each other and these are things that people I feel like don't just they don't know these things because they haven't been exposed to it and we're all so different and I feel like they're definitely having more Arab representation is such a good thing because I think people are starting to really understand like, wait, Arabs can be like different. They're not all just like one person. Yes, yes,
1: yes. And that's actually why I don't mind and why I went out of my way to be loud about it because I'm not going to, I'm not going to just eat up this narrative and just roll with it. Yeah. Cause when I know that it doesn't fit my lifestyle and it doesn't work with how I work and it's not accurate, that's the, just downright, not accurate. That's what it is. It's just, uh, globally, I feel Arabs are represented in, in, in really, 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 really negative light. Yes. Lights and, um, or a negative light. And it's just, it's, You could say that about any culture, any people, any, you know, religion, any, uh, whatever. There's always something there that could very well be true. Like, okay, for example, I'm just going to get into it. But when I say, oh, there's this, there's this narrative of like Arab women being oppressed, right? Yes, there are some Arab women. Being oppressed. Yes. But here, let's take away the word Arab and let's just say there are women being oppressed. That exists all over the world. We can talk about gender pay gaps here. We could talk about, we could talk about women who aren't allowed to go to work because their husbands want to go to work. Like we can talk about all that. It doesn't just pertain to our region. But it just sounds so good to the world to hear. Arab women are p- oppressed and to see it and to see how some choose to cover their bodies and say, okay, that's not her choice. No, 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 no. That m- very well may be her choice. Maybe someone else has a different experience, but that's why you should open yourself to the conversation, more conversations with Arab women. So you can hear that we are not all one in the same.
0: I mean, and that's the thing Like the page the patriarchy is alive and well globally. It's mm. not just, you know, confined to the Arab region. And also it's, what's frustrating to me is first of all, I agree with everything you said, you just said, which just to like, you know, be cohesive a hundred percent fact. I just want to put that out there. But <laughs> like literally it's so frustrating to me because when I think of like oppressed women, I don't, I I feel like I don't know a single Arab woman that I would categorize as oppressed. Ooh, have like, you ever met an Arab woman? I'm like, try, try me, try oppressing me. I'd love to see you try to oppress me because literally no one can stop me from doing what I want to do. And you're right there. I'm sure there are some Ooh, Arab women snap. who are oppressed and their country has rules and regulations, but like that is not. I think that is more of a rarity rather than the norm. I don't think that's the norm at all. This episode of Arab American Psycho is sponsored by The Doe. The Doe is a digital publication sharing anonymous stories to promote civil disclosure and provides a platform to lesser known, often marginalized stories. The Doe publishes unfiltered narratives from verified anonymous sources, drawing attention to a broad spectrum of viewpoints that encourage readers to confront their own biases. Each month, The Doe explores new themes. This month's theme is justice, and I came across a narrative titled, Why I Became a Public Defender and Why It's a Privilege. In this narrative, a public defender writes about his troubled client and why he loves his job. A lot of you might not know that I was actually a counselor in the domestic violence and special victims unit at the state attorney's office for several years. And when I first started working there, I was extremely judgmental of the work that public defenders did, which is essentially defending people who have been accused of a crime. The author writes about how based on a police report, his clients sound like they need to be locked up but sometimes people just need someone to listen to them. The author writes that his clients may not always be innocent, but that sometimes they are also the victim. I know that this is true, especially in cases of domestic violence with female defendants. Something that I learned from my experience of being in a courtroom with public defenders almost every day is that anyone can be accused of a crime, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they are guilty, and that everyone deserves the right to have an attorney present for them and fight for them in court. And I know that if I was in that situation, I would want to make sure that I had that right. I loved reading this narrative, as well as so many other amazing narratives available on The Doe's website. I've linked this narrative in the episode's notes, and I highly recommend visiting the doe.com. That's the D-O-E, like a female deer, dot com to read more. Thank you so much to The Doe for sponsoring this episode. Now back to the conversation. But yeah, just kind of talking about you know, modern Arab woman identity and like what that means and bringing that into kind of Western culture or even like globally, I think that having a different face for everyone to kind of feel like there's someone that they can look at and feel like this represents a part of me is so crucial. Yes, 100%. <laughs> if the episode, I am making the title... A hundred percent. It has to be, it has to be, it just, it has to be at this point. Like I have no choice. Um, but okay. So honestly, I love your new album and I just, what, what Arab musicians did you feel like you found the most inspiration from when you were, when you were writing this album, when you were, you know, figuring out what kind of sound you wanted, like, who are the, who are your main influences? Hmm. Oof. Okay. Because I hear a lot of umpeltum. I was telling you that before we started recording, like there was a part in um in the song Yellow where like I got full body chills because I was like, who, what is going on right now? <laughs> like I was just like, I've never, like I literally had chills. It was insane. Oh, thank you so much. I I feel like a lot of the
1: inspiration definitely did drive from the strings, a hundred percent from umpeltum and the vocal. Like she, she, she is, I don't think there's a word to describe. There Every isn't. time I try to find the words, it just feels like I don't do it justice. I don't do her justice. Um, but I did make a playlist on my Spotify, like over when quarantine first started. And I was like, okay, let me just like try to put together all the songs that I listened to. And that's what I called it, habibi, which is like <laughs> enough, or I don't know how, how you would say it, Khalas, maybe Khalas, yeah, Khalas, like, habibi. Call, like that's enough. That's enough, babe. <laughs> yeah 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 and so i listen to a lot of umketum i listen to Feirus. i listen to oh,
0: I there's yes,
1: yes she's she is the living legend for sure and um there's actually a lot of moroccan artists that i listen to like najat Atabu, who's she's her voice can send it's like feels like she just sends needles to your heart like the way she sings but she's so powerful like she has that that Every, I feel like every Arab female singer that I listen to sings with so much power, and at the same time, is very, very vulnerable. So it's that it's that like balance that just really I feel like inspired um, inspired me because that's what I try to do. Even when I'm writing a love song, just telling a friend about this, like I don't like to be this like the simp is what they say nowadays. <laughs> I really don't like if I'm going to, if I'm going to talk about a breakup, let's find a way to empower myself. Cause I'm not just yeah. going to talk about a breakup and be sad just to be sad. Like there has to be something that comes from it. And I did that with yacht, which I was like, you know what? If, you know, if time heals all, then I want a Rolex. You know, if, yeah. and I, I say things like, if my tears come out, want I say, if my tears come out, they're going to cry, they're going to cry me or whatever that leads to a notion I could sail in a yacht. Oh
0: my god.
1: And it's like, you know what? Let's let's just let these tears cry. But ooh, they're gonna leave me to write in this song that buys me a house. Yep.
0: And that's what I'm saying. Like I like I really kind of can appreciate that as a woman who I feel very much so like independent and empowered and like to hear you sing about these things, like this is a shitty situation, but I'm gonna get a yacht out of this. So ooh, yes. I, I love that. And so do you write a lot about when you're songwriting? Like, I have no idea what that process could even be like. I have no songwriting abilities. But like, is it really just like based off of, you know, real life experiences that you've had? I, hundred <laughs> percent.
1: I think, yes, it always starts there because it has to resonate with me. Yeah. And if it's something that, I went through, I definitely write about it. Sometimes I I'm, I really do take on the emotions of the people around me and th- I, they weigh heavy on my heart. So if someone's around me is going through something, it's almost like I'm going through it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll write sometimes about other people's experiences, but Heat was definitely that. And there's actually a record on there called Galleria. And when I wrote this record, I was thinking about BDE, which I don't even have to say out loud. Just... <laughs> You know, <laughs> just that abbreviation. I just thought about coming into love with that energy and like, you know, being confident and being, you know, secure and knowing what you want and knowing how to ask for it and almost just being loud about it too. Mm-hmm. And I think writing that I have not, I'm definitely not in a relationship and nor am I digging anybody,
0: <laughs> but <laughs> um, like, Literally I'm like same. Yeah, 100 <laughs> percent Yeah. And in the same boat. <laughs> I I think
1: gallery was my way of being like, hold up. This is how I feel though. It's just mm-hmm. someone hasn't, you know, caught my eye. No one's I haven't come across anybody that I would, you know, be be interested in like dedicating time to at this current moment. But I do have that energy. I have that energy where I'm like, you know what? If I did have somebody. This would be the energy that i come with. Like, you know I am your Mona Lisa. Like, you know I'm art. Treat, treat me delicately and be very fragile with me because if you
0: drop this or if you lose this piece of art, ooh, you lose a fortune. And I feel like that there's something so powerful about it. Like, even just hearing you talk about it, like, I'm like, that's empowering. And I think that that's also really cool that you – are creating music that can make people, because I think that music is always going to make you feel one way or the other. Like I have my playlist that like, even if I'm not sad, do you ever just feel like you're like, I kind of want to be sad. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a fucking weirdo. But like sometimes (laughs) a lot of people feel that. I think a lot of people feel that. Yeah. I'm like, sometimes I just want to be sad. So I'll listen to like my playlist of like sad music. And then sometimes like you just want to feel empowered. Like I have playlists where it's only female singers and it's Mm. for that person. Like I feel more empowered listening to a female vocalist, a female songwriter, like something about that feels, it just hits different. And so hearing you kind of talk about that, you're like, I'm not even, I don't even have anyone interested, but preemptively I have wrote this song of what I'm expecting and how I'm going to feel. I'm like, I fucking love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you aside from the music these last two
1: years have been so important for me they've been life changing because I think where my head was at if you had a conversation with me two years ago I swear it'd be like you were talking to like a completely different person and I learned so much about myself I learned about my strengths I learned about my weaknesses and how I can use them both and that kind of, that's why I'm so confident in, in this foundation that I've built for myself and the ground that I walk on and, and how, you know, I come into a conversation
0: or come into a friendship or a relationship or a studio, wherever. I think that you are at a point of your life where you have grown so much, but like, I really want to talk to you like in four years. Cause you're going to be like, who the fuck was that person? I literally don't know who that is. It's insane how much growth we continue to experience from our early twenties to our early thirties. Like it's actually mind boggling. It's so cool. I was just talking to a friend about this the other day. Like it's so cool watching people grow. It's cool to like watch myself grow, but watching other people grow, there's something about it that's so inspiring, especially when they're growing for the better and they're becoming better versions of themselves. But there's something about it that just is so inspiring.
1: No, for sure. And that's why, That's why I say foundation because Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you you're always hopefully actually with you don't really have a choice. You're always evolving for sure. And your mind is always going to, if you're, it's, you know, if I speak to someone today, they could change my perspective on something I just learned three days ago. Mm -hmm. So we're always constantly growing and we, I, I allow myself the, the, the freedom to, you know, make mistakes think a certain way and be able to change the way I thought in just one conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's really what like in two years, I had a lot of those conversations more openly and more and came into them without pride, without ego. Whereas before I was like, definitely, I feel like I had a little bit, everyone always kind of struggles with that. But for me, for sure, I could say I had a lot of, 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 uh, struggles to fight inside, which is like, Why am I, why do I feel like I'm, I'm pride, have so much pride into this conversation? Why, why am I talking with ego, asking myself these questions? And it's like, because you feel this way, this person is making you feel this way, or you've thought about this this way, or so understanding how my mind works, how I communicate with other people is led me to actually realizing that, Oh, you're legit having a conversation with yourself at the end of the day. So when you speak to people, come to them with respect and speak to people kindly. And, you know, also just try not to be so
0: perfect. And, and there's, there's something liberating about feeling like you don't have to be perfect, but also like as someone who like you, who's a performer and you're in the public eye for your, for your audience kind of to see you be so vulnerable in that way, I think is also such a beautiful thing because, you know, people look up to you. They see you doing things that they think are amazing. And like, but to see you being open and vulnerable, I think has such a deep impact and it's so important for you to like speak on. And so like, I love that you're, you're so open about it. Yeah.
1: And I, I, I mean, God bless. I really don't, I just thank God because I have conversations all the time, and and the people around me, you know, help me grow, and I and vice versa help them grow. But I do. There are certain times where I have a conversation with someone. I'm like, okay, you haven't you haven't been freed yet, essentially. And look, I, like you said, in in five years, have a conversation with me, and I might still think I'm not freed at this point.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: I I have a conversation with people. And I'm like, okay, you know what? You're still something is making you react this way. And I don't I don't look at it like I'm not going to have a conversation with that person. I never ever like to be confronted by someone with, that was trying to teach me without coming from a place of love. When people try to educate you and it's not from a place of love, it it feels like an attack. So, when I have conversations with people who maybe I don't feel have fully un, you know, opened up themselves to feel free or, you know, just let themselves go a little bit. I always come into the conversation with love and I'm like, you know what, let me try to speak and let you know that, Hey, it's totally fine. And what you're this, the way you're reacting isn't exactly how you, I think we should be having a conversation like this. Mm -hmm. And this is the way that this helped me do that. And you should like, I never, I never try to, try to tell someone that
0: it's, it's, I don't know how to explain it, I guess. Like that your way is the best way. Like you don't want to make it seem like I know it all. So like I'm approaching it from this place of maturity. Is that kind of what you mean? Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. And I, and I just, I feel like
1: I just want to push, 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 push people. And I'm specifically talking about my sisters. I have conversations with my sisters sometimes and they're so open-minded and, um, you know, they, they were very similar, but there are certain times where I'm like, okay, she feels attacked right now. And before I'd be like, nah, forget you. And I slammed my door, but now I'm like, look, I didn't mean it that way. I didn't mean it that way, but you're taking it that way because you feel like I'm trying to such and such. I have healthy conversations and those conversations were had with me before he, all of these conversations my friends having those healthy, 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 you know, conversations that come from love and telling me, Oh, look, you're thinking about it this way because you feel this way. And having, after I walked away from those conversations, I'm like, okay, you know what?
0: Whew. Wow. And, and, and it's supposed to show that you're, you're, you're really growing because literally everything you're saying to me, I'm like, yeah, that's what growth feels like. It's like stopping to reflect and stopping to consider the words in which you use to communicate with other people and understanding that if they're being defensive, it's not personal. It's more so that they are holding on to something that is making them interpret it in a way that's making them feel attacked. Yes, it's
1: about them, always about them. And you, every time now, oh, man, 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 I will say, I know we're kind of like sliding off here, but no, I love it. Just to say there are conversations I'm having now. And if it ever goes sour or I really, I don't really have many sour conversations, but if it does ever start to feel like a bit like weird, I really, I I try not to, I I really remind myself, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not about me. It's not about me in this exact moment where I feel like it's, gone off a path or the wrong path. Oh, I just have to remember the person that I'm communicating with and I must've said something or they must've said something. And we have to just communicate that clearly, very clearly. And I feel like that's just helping my creative process too with my producer and why I have, why I have someone who's so devoted to the art that we make. Cause we have healthy conversations and if something doesn't feel right in the studio, we don't let it pass. We don't, we don't like, there's no passive aggressiveness. I'm just, I'm very open about the conversations. With that being said, I think that has actually played a huge role in why my creative process is healthy and why I found someone who has devoted so much of their time and effort into our art. And it's just a, such a healthy, relationship in the studio, there's, it's, it's, if there's ever some, something that feels wrong or songs not going right, or there's like some tension, it's always talked about. It never gets to a point where I'm like, I don't want to work with that person. And I I felt that before. I felt that a lot of that before where I, where I'm in the studio or a session, I'm like, you know what, they just don't get it. And I don't think I have the energy to explain, but now I'm like, no, 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 no. We're going to find the energy
0: to explain (laughs) Yeah. No, but I definitely feel you. I mean, listen, like, I am psychotic about like, letting other people help me with creative things because it I find it exhausting to have to explain to them what my vision is but then there comes a time where it's like no you can't just do everything on your own like you have to work with other people which means you need to take the time to like explain to them what your vision is so that they can understand you and that they can help you create what you want it to be yeah
1: so important and communicate we're going to find that. And as we grow older communication, oof, once you learn the power of communication, you can get through to anyone. Yeah.
0: I know that sounds crazy, but it's, it's uh, the it's absolute truth. It's 100% fucking true because as soon as I learned how to communicate better with other people and stop taking things personally, because like we were saying, Half of the shit, when people are upset, they're not mad at you. They're upset about something that they feel that you had mm. nothing to do with. And and when you learn to stop taking things personally and when you s- learn that not everyone is going to respond to you in the way that you think that they should, mm. because yes. no right way, just because it's how you would respond doesn't mean that if they respond in a different way that that makes it right or wrong. It just, you know, accepting that we're different and our responses to things will a hundred percent vary. And just really learning to accept that and learning how to kind of manage that is I think a game changer.
1: Yeah. So so important and, and so I think in this in this industry specifically, in, in my industry, in the music industry, it's definitely the reason why even everything that i've attached with heat the visuals music videos ever like the songs the writing everything comes from that comes from communicating about everything that i want in a healthy and positive way and i found people get excited when you are just honest and true and stand by what you want without being a dick about it like i don't have to be a total nightmare to work with just because I have a vision. Yep. And I learned some things through this process too. There are, there were times where I, I, I'm I this this is like my baby, and I, I cared about it so much that I wanted it in the right hands. I wanted like you're passing an egg off, you know? You're like carefully passing it so it doesn't crack. Like I just wanted everyone that had a hand in this project to understand how much it meant to me. And I also wanted them to be equally devoted to it. And I I did find that. I really did. And that's part of, part of that came from working with Arab creatives because they had this kind of attachment to the narrative and wanting to feel seen and wanting to have their hands in something that finally, you know, I I had a lot of the people that I worked with say, like, I I feel like this finally represents us, like us as in the groups of people that I was working with, not the majority, but just the people that I worked with. They're like as creatives, I feel like this is, one
0: great perspective that i can relate to and that resonates with me 100% and like oh my god literally i'm saying 100% and i'm like bitch <laughs> <laughs> i'm not even saying it to be funny but no i i i was actually i wanted to talk to you about that like what was it something that you when you when you knew you wanted to start this project was it something that you were like i really want to work with arab creatives on this like that's something that was important to you on creating heat? Like, were you like determined or did it kind of just like happen organically? Oh no, that
1: was intentional yeah. from jump. I, I had this conversation about the project in December of 2018. That's when this like, wow. kind of I had this epiphany, I guess is what I say. But immediately after I figured it out in my head, okay, I, I actually, it was in December that I, I came up with the term or the phrase, the new Arab, I said it to myself and I was on the phone with my manager and I said it to him. He was like, Oh man. I was like, I just, that, like, I feel like those three words, I know they're going to ruffle some feathers. I know they're going to, you know, disrupt some people, but it's, it's really does resonate with me. It it, it, tells my story with just those three words. And then I went on to having a conversation with actually one of our, our mutual friends, Nadia Azmi, who I called her and I was like, Natya. And I was like, dude, <laughs> hear me out. I was like, I would love for you. Cause at the, at the time we were just friends and never worked ever. And she was working at, um, an, uh, an agency and she actually, she, I think she had just left. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I really want to go into this path. I explained everything and told her, you know, my vision. And I was like, and I want to work with Arab people, Arab women, Arab men, everyone, and try to get this across because I know that it has to be done correctly. It has to be done in a way that we view it. Not the way that the Western world would view it. I don't love the idea of like that self-orientalism. Yeah thing where it's like, Oh, I'm going to use the Western views of Arab women to my advantage. I wanted to make sure that we were uplifting and empowering through everything that we did. And we, we worked, we started working together that, I think that June and everything from there was like, okay, we have to work with the, the Arab, an Arab video director another word we keep saying is Arab, 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 but it's, it's really, it's so funny because everything is
0: Arab about this whole thing. But like, um, but like, and like, that's why I was so excited to talk to you because you are an Arab creative and you came out with this project where like, I'm glad that you said it was intentional. Cause I was like, Oh, I don't know if it was happened organically, but like even you shooting your music video in Morocco, I was like, this is amazing. Like that, that like everything about it. I'm like, I I love the representation. I love the fact that you really, I feel like everything was done very thoughtfully. And I think that you've definitely made an impact on a lot of people. I, I mean, I can speak for myself. I Like watching the music video, like I felt something watching it because I was like, shit, this is so amazing. Because I think it's so much easier. Like we were saying at the very beginning, kind of full circle, you're so much more palatable if you just kind of, you know curate your image to kind of be what western society finds acceptable or if you just did like a little oh jasmine Aladdin and jasmine kind of trope thing like yeah that's what people want to see but like you kind of were like listen no i am going to put out a authentic version of myself and if it's digestible for you great and if not well then this is what it is mm. yeah and i also with that being said, I did really really
1: really want to take on the stereotypes. I really did. Just for 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 the visuals, the first visuals. I wanted to take them and I wanted to do them tastefully. So yeah, give me your stereotypes. Give me everything. I'm going to sit here and challenge every single one, but I'm going to rub it in your face. And yep. at Inferno specifically, there was a bit of a there was I worked with the the director that I mentioned, Sharif Abdel Mawla, he is such a, such a great director. He has a really, really good eye. And when we worked with him, you know, we sent him our ideas and, and Nedja and I, and we were like, hey, this is what we're doing. And he came back with a really dope treatment based off of what, you know, the the things that we talked about and conversed about. And he, he fully... like he resonated with everything that we were saying, but he had a whole different experience as well, bringing it into the creative process because he grew up in Amsterdam as an Egyptian man. And he understood how we, we have so many commonalities being Arab American and being someone from, you know, the Netherlands or Amsterdam and being, being Arab and growing up there and trying to figure out, you know, your place. But we we all came together on the idea that we won't we won't take the stereotypes we won't take this narrative and he he sent the treatment
0: in and it said it said the word bomb diffuser like even hearing the word bomb in conjunction with arab I'm like immediately like oh no <laughs> yes but you know what i i
1: 100% felt that i was like okay when I, when i read it at first, to be honest, I was like, ooh, this could be cool. Yeah. yeah. And um, I have not told the story. So this is like ooh, this is- exclusive. <laughs> <I'm> telling- Arab American <laughs> psycho exclusive. <laughs> I saw it and I was like, you know what? That's kind of actually it's kind of dope because he's taking a clusterfuck of these stereotypes and just making making uh you know some great, great statements. And so I read it, and I was like, okay, bomb diffuser is in this video called, you know, in the Inferno video. And I was like, ah, cool. I actually ran with it. And then I just wanted to ask him before I said completely, uh, before I said, yes, I just wanted to ask him the meaning behind it. And once we got to that, I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. We're running with this. Um, and seeing how I obviously I made adjustments just because there. I won't get into that, but I did make a few adjustments to it because yeah. I was still trying to be sensitive. Um, but now when I think about it, oof, I'm so glad I didn't. I didn't say no because, you know, if someone is to ask me, "Hey, Abid," so we saw that there's a guy in Inferno wearing a bomb diffuser outfit. What is that? What does that mean? you know what I thought my, so much about this. I was like, what would my response be? Oh my God, I'm freaking out. Like if someone does take this the wrong way, cause you're always so fearful of if someone yeah. taking your art and, and misconstruing it. And I was like, how? And then I thought to myself, you know what? If Taylor Swift or I, I'm just, I, I love Taylor Swift, but like if any other artist, like, I don't know, Kanye or, whoever that can come to top of mind had a bomb diffuser in their video, would you be asking
0: this question? No one would think twice about it.
1: No, no, you wouldn't be asking that question. You're only asking it. No one has asked it yet because what for whatever reason, thank, thank God, I guess, um, <laughs> is for the only reason you're asking me is because I'm Arab. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do here is like remove that. Remove the idea yeah. that bomb is directly associated
0: with an Arab or a Muslim. For sure. For sure. It's like, even for myself, like we have to like unlearn these things that society has kind of put into place. Mm. Like I should not be afraid to use a word because I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to make other people nervous. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that shouldn't have to cross my mind because I know who I am. You know what I mean? And it's, and it's, it definitely comes to kind of ruffling a few feathers to start hopefully a healthy dialogue so that people can understand, Hey, listen, like these two things, there's no correlation. There's no negative correlation between them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And what, what
1: better way to do that than challenge those stereotypes right on their head, you know, Mm -hmm, take them. mm -hmm. And I will say that the, I did a, I just, I just feel like this, this, the story of Inferno too is, is, is empowering for me because, and how do I say this? The way he kind of like brought that to life is because he's like a woman's, a woman's love is an Inferno. You know, a woman's love is, is like a fire and it can be, it can burn you very quickly or it can heat you up and warm you up and keep you cozy in your bed but depending on which side you get and i feel like that comes from the choice that comes from from choosing love right and for me in inferno i wasn't like the story is that oftentimes we we lyrically oftentimes we um women get depicted as like the ones that are getting their heart broken. I'm just so yeah. over it. Cause I'm like, Ooh, yes, sure. But men get their heart broken and women are the culprits. So we need to show that, Hey, look, we have a choice. I don't want to be in a relationship. I'm not in this at this point in my life. And I'm letting you know, I'm down for conversation. I'm down to hang, but I'm just not looking for anything serious. And I don't think people hear that coming from, from, uh, Women very often, and I want to take that.
0: And and also, it's like, as someone who has said that before, like, no, I'm just like, I kind of like being alone right now. Like, that's just what I'm focusing on. I want to focus on myself, and I want to put my energy into myself, and I want to prioritize myself right now because I feel like as women. We are very much so adaptable. And unfortunately, what ends up happening is we put ourselves in second place a lot of times, especially when it comes to a relationship. We are so quick to put someone else in before us. So, you know, it's important to take this t- some time to yourself every now and then. But people, I feel like when you say that, they don't even hear that. What they hear is like, oh, you just, it's like, no guys are interested in you. It's like, no, that's not what it is. Like, it's okay for a woman to choose to be single and be happy about it. Yes.
1: Yes. And take, take that, take that and run with it. Because if somebody says anything other, like, oh, but I, but, oh, is it because of this or because of that? Or like this, this, this whatever anyone wants to say like, no, no, no. It's just because it's my choice at the end of the day. It's my choice. And that's, that's legit what Inferno is about. It's like, okay, well, if, if we're clear and you understand that I'm not looking for anything serious, then yeah, let's keep it rocking, but just be careful. Cause you might get burned
0: in this heat. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Especially listen, let me tell you something. I say this all the time. I'm like, I feel like this, this might be like an Arab thing. The way, the way I love people is very intense in that, like when I love you and I want to make you feel good, I can do that. But if I'm fucking pissed, it's it's a problem. It's going yeah. to be a huge problem for everyone involved in it because I'm uh, very, very um, intense and very expressive, like an Inferno. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like the air of wrath, again, the woman's yeah. wrath. You really don't... Yeah, a woman's wrath is really something that you don't want to play with. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I I agree. I think that a lot of... Music really always depicts women as like heartbroken or like pining or like, you know, being rejected or abandoned or, you know, unrequited love, whatever it is. And it there is something I feel like. I feel like empowering, but also it's like cool, honestly, just fucking cool about hearing a woman just kind of being like, no, like I just if I want to be one way I will be. And if I don't, I won't be. And like, that's up to me. It has nothing to do with you. Yes. Yes. Um, Honestly though, Abir, like literally, like, I think that you're such a fucking icon. I'm so glad that we took the time to talk. Like I've been wanting to have you on the podcast since, I don't know if you remember this back in February, I, a mutual friend of ours, Maria, who's been on the podcast before, I was like, I want to have a beer on the podcast. And I think she was FaceTiming you. And you were like, when the album comes out, I'll come on the podcast. So (laughs) thank you for coming on. Like, it's been so good talking to you. I'm so excited to share this. Um, Where can people find you online? Where can they listen to He plug all the things? Ooh,
1: well, first I'm gonna say thank you for having me because this is such a necessary conversation. And I just like, I have these, conversations with close friends and family members but it's just so great to connect with another Arab woman creative like doing these podcasts and like learning about you know you know you said you were right before we got on you said you were using these as a platform you know to help everyone uh, from the region and just Arab women in general get a voice like have a voice and so I really really appreciate that um I, you can find my music online at all the DSPs, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever, YouTube. Um, the videos are on YouTube and then online on Instagram and Twitter. I'm under a beer, A-B-I-R.
0: And I'm going to have everything linked in the episode description. Definitely watch her music videos. They're fucking mesmerizing and beautiful. I was just telling her, I watched the yellow video like seven times this morning. It's so good. Um, (laughs) a beer. Thank you so much for coming on. As always, you guys can follow the podcast on Instagram at Arab American psycho where you will see a lovely picture of a beer and you can follow me on Instagram at Nor E and I will talk to you guys next week.